Welcome to Blue Talks. Hi, and um, thank you so much for that welcome. I have come all the way from the UK, so I cannot actually believe that I'm standing here. It's a little bit of a one of those moments that you have to, to mark in your life. So that was quite an intro, and I guess I want to talk to you about something that happened to me 12 years ago, 12 and a half years ago, that literally uh, changed my life. And I'll give you a little bit of background story. I have been... Um, coaching people, looking after people for 25 years. I have three children. I have a lovely husband. At that time, I had, I wasn't coaching. I wasn't a business coach or helping anybody. I was a hairdresser. I had a tiny, tiny little hair salon in a um, in a health club. I don't think you have David Lloyd here, but it was part of the David Lloyd group. I had met um, a fellow hairdresser and um, had a great job as a sales manager and she just said to me, Deb, I'm opening a hair salon. Do you want to come in? And I wasn't hairdressing at the time. And I couldn't say no. I just could not say no to this. She told me she was buying this car. And you know, when she'd made it, she was buying this car. And the thought of her driving past my house in this car, I just couldn't say no. So I was just like, it made my teeth grind, just the very thought that she was going to have the salon and be successful. So the place was being built. We went down to the, the health club and we, we had quite a tiny room. So it was kind of like the, the business of my dreams. We were in a health club. It's a family health club. So my children could be, I have three boys who can make a football out of absolutely anything, snowball, anything. We had no balloons in our house. Um, so they could come in and they could play tennis football which they made up, um, or they could use the gym, or they could do the other stuff. My life revolved around this hair salon. And then I opened another one in another um, one of the other health clubs. So realistically, everybody that I saw had either been to a class, was teaching a class. We did quite a lot of sidewinders with the colors we're doing, um, or was skiving from a class, basically sitting in my salon. So that was my world. And then one day I decided to go and buy a car get rid of the company car and we drive 50 miles to buy what is termed in the UK as an, an old banger. I don't know how that translates, but basically it's a very cheap car. It's a it's a rubbish car basically, but I wanted something that we owned and wasn't a company car. So myself and my husband, we set out to go and get this car. We drive, it's rainy, it's January, um, January the 31st. So in the UK, it's not particularly warm. It was kind of rainy and drizzly, but the weather was okay. So we get the we get the car. The car's not very nice, to be honest. It was a convertible. I just wanted a convertible, and it has some flowers on it, which my children didn't really approve of. Um, and we had a, a, a really nice BMW that we had been given by the company as our car at that time. So when we got to the venue, my husband drove the car back. Bless him, the rubbish car, and I drove the nice BMW. And then we got closer to home, and the cars both cars were absolutely fine. Got closer to home and I decided that I would drive the rubbish car and go and get some shopping and let my husband go and pick the children up in the nice car. So we stop at the services, change cars, get onto a what's called a dual carriageway, which is two lanes. And my car, the new car, loses power. I just, I'm on the this lane, so the outside lane, 
and all the power fails in the car and it's now dark and I'm just like, okay, I just need to get to the side of the road. I was just really focused, get to the side of the road. So by some luck, and I am a lucky person, I got to the side of the road. It's a very, very busy road. And I just thought, I don't know what's happened. My main concern was I had one bar on my phone. That was it. So I parked in a fairly safe place, phoned my husband and said, I know, let's see if I've run out of petrol. So for five minutes, I'm waiting for him. He pulls up behind me, a couple of car lengths. I jump out, realize I don't know how to open the petrol cap because it's a brand new car anyway. But I went around to the petrol cap. And as I'm looking, a car drove into the back of my husband's car. And I thought, wow. And he was off the road. There was no reason. He just shunted it forward. And so I thought, okay, he's fine. What I didn't realize is that that car was going to carry on coming. That it only had three wheels. It had ripped a wheel out when it hit the BMW and was still coming for me. So I'm stood on a dual carriageway and I have my car here and I have two lanes of traffic here. And I think the car's going there and I have nowhere to go. Literally nowhere to go. And it felt like, it felt like a long time. And I just felt like I can remember the whole conversation in my head and it's probably seconds, but I was like, I'm gonna die. I am literally going to die. There is nowhere for me to go. And all of a sudden, this thought came into my head and said, no, I'm not going. My boys are not ready. They think they're ready. They're not ready. I can't leave them. Jake is not old enough. This one thinks is always coming into my head. And I took a couple of steps. And as the car came to me, it was on three wheels. It bashed my leg, but I didn't fall over. I just felt like I was on ice, like dancing. And then the car went past it, cuffed my shoulder. So I'm okay. I'm still stood at that stage. There's no blood. Um, as it cuffed my shoulder, it kind of winded me and I fell onto all fours. At that stage, I was in the dual carriageway. He'd knocked me into the road and I'm on all fours. And I'm like, bugger, now I'm gonna have to crawl to the side of the road. So I crawl to the side of the road because I think I'm, I'm probably gonna die. The traffic is, is gonna be coming. I've saved myself once and now I'm gonna have to do it again. So I crawled most of the way to the side of the road. Um, and what I didn't realize is that somebody had actually stopped the traffic. A guy that came into the hospital the next day and said, those two steps that you took saved your life. Because my car was gone by that stage, it was into the barrier. He'd hit it so hard it flicked over there. So, as I say, there's no blood. I'm sat on the side of the road, obviously they call an ambulance, and I think I'm fine. I think I've just bruised my leg. I know I can't stand up on the leg, but I think I'm fine. I broke a nail. I was quite upset. <laughs> <laughs> Had a little cut here and I broke a nail, honestly. I got that repaired for free. Um, <laughs> they felt sorry for me. So they take me to the hospital and I'm adamant that it's just bruised, you know. I don't know why I had no pain, but I didn't have any pain at that stage. Um, and I get to the hospital and by that time, all of my children there um, and another random boy, that's my son's best friend, and they were all there. And they must have given me something because I was like, it's just bruised. And they're like, mom, it's not bruised. It's doubled in size. One thing I'll tell you girls, if you ever have to go into hospital, they keep cutting your clothes off. like. They cut your shorts off, they cut your leggings off, they cut your underwear off. So I'm led in a bed, I remember my first bit, led in a bed with my sons at the bottom of the bed and their leg is raised and I'm like, you need to stand over here. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever painkillers they've given me, go and stand over there. So they do the x-rays and stuff and I um, 
take me to the ward, say they're going to operate. That's all good. Yeah, it's a broken leg. They're telling me it's a broken leg. I genuinely thought if you break your leg, six weeks later, you're fine. That's all I knew about it. So when they come to me the next day and they say, we can fix the leg, but you're not going to be able to use your leg. I was astonished. I just thought, no. And I said to him, no, I have a hair salon. I'm in a gym. I've got three children. You can't do that to me. You can't tell me I'm not going to be able to lose my leg. Do you know what? They went away. I didn't know that happened. Um, and then they came back and they said, and anyone who's ever watched Grey's, they really are this excited. Right, this is what we're going to do. I can't bounce like that normally. <laughs> um, and they said, we can do another surgery, but you're not going to be able to bend your leg. So I was like, no, 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 no. You're not listening to me. This isn't what can happen. In my head, I'm thinking, I just went to buy a car. I've just got a bruised leg. Come on, do this properly. So they said, well, you're not going to be able to bend it. As I said, same. I have a salon in a gym. I go to body pump. I know it doesn't look like that, but I did. Um, you know, I have children. So they went away. And then they came again with something I don't remember. And then they came back the last time. And they said, right, okay, we've got a plan. We are going to, you'll be fine with the leg. You might not be able to bend it properly. Um, but we're going to take some bone out of your hip. And we're going to make a little saucer. And we're going to support this. And I was like, okay, fine, do that one. I ended up with two plates and 22 screws in the leg, the one that I thought was just a little bit bruised and a little bit broken. So being a salon owner, it's a bit tricky to be the person with the broken leg. So I thought I was gonna lose my business. I was so scared that I was gonna lose my business. When my manager came in, they were all part-time. I just told her to cancel my clients for two weeks. And she was like, two weeks? And I said, okay, maybe three, four. I didn't go back to work. I was non-weight bearing for five months. I couldn't stand on my foot for five months. I got in with the mobility scooter people in the town centre, whizzed around the shops, got caught in a few. Um, but my overwhelming thing in the hospital was that I was lucky. And when people were wheeling me around and saying, oh my goodness, what's happened to you? It's terrible. And I said, no, 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 no. I should be in the morgue. I'm here. I'm lucky. And annoyingly, that stayed with me for quite a long time. I think at the point, my family wanted to actually euthanize me because I was like, oh, it's Mother's Day. I shouldn't be here. Um, <laughs> it was, honestly, I was a bit of a crybaby. I'm not a crier. But I was, birthdays, it's Sunday. I shouldn't be here. Um, yeah, I was just, but I stayed lucky because if I had the worst case scenario given me, you know, door number one wasn't very nice. Door number two was much better. So. I then had to try and work out how to manage a hair salon with a broken leg. And so I did. What I managed to do was I went to work lots of times and they put me in a taxi and sent me home, but blow dried my hair. So that wasn't kind of what I was working. So they, then I realized that if I couldn't work in the business, they tell you this, I know, and it's a hard way to learn it. I will work on the business. And I know that's what you're meant to be doing, right? So I learned the hard way and it worked. So that year we were great, we took more money. In between here, I had the physio. I genuinely thought if I did what I needed to do, that I would get back to normal. That wasn't really the case. Because it was a car accident, I had to go and see lots of specialists and they started talking to me about being in a wheelchair at 55. And I thought, oh, I've got to argue with these people as well. That's not happening either. I'm not gonna be in a wheelchair. So. I come out from behind the salon, I built a bigger salon, took on a photo studio, I built a bigger salon that was 7,000 square foot with 10 treatment rooms. 
And all I remember doing is working so hard and being in denial and, and trying to survive and run a business and, and do everything. That at the point where I'd worn out the other leg because I stood on that leg and I had to have an operation, I sold everything. And that's how I kind of took some time off. And that was an easy operation, actually. The, the trauma of going through that was much easier. So I come out of the salon, I come out of the hairdressing, became a business coach, looked after people for digital marketing, et cetera, et cetera. So I guess then I became very, people said to me, you're great at doing this. You're fantastic at doing this. So this person, this person who got rewarded for being a great business owner, for being a great marketer, became me. And I was like, the more praise I got, the more I did. The more hard-faced I got as a coach, the better, the more praise I got. People were like, oh my goodness, you're the procrastination police. Well, I've got a, a client who calls me a virus, DB22. I'm not kidding. Um, and I'm the jump off the cliff person. But it still was kind of like in between. I still had this thing over me that I'm going to be in a wheelchair. And so I suppose I put a face on. I just became this other person. And the person that the gym person that loved swimming and all the other stuff, I put her in a cupboard because I couldn't be her. I didn't fit into my life. You know, when I was going into the gym, I did not fit into my life. Those people were still going to body pump. They, you know, these are people that talked about squat weights on a night out. You know, it's just different mentality <laughs> being in the gym. So then when I came out of coaching, I was like, oh, I found my crew. I found my people. I can speak to these people, these entrepreneurs. I understand these people, the risk takers. And so I became that person. And somewhere along the line, I lost the fitness side of it. I lost the other stuff. I'd still do stuff. I'd still dance and maybe not get out of bed for three days, but no one saw that. So I still had this, I'm great. I can do everything until, until last year. So I, my friend had asked me if I wanted to do this bike ride. She sent it on a Saturday morning and said, do you fancy this? And I said, yeah, just paid the deposit. Said to my husband, I'm going to India. And he said, oh, well, who's going with you? I said, well, not you, honestly. <laughs> I did, I paid the deposit, I'm that casual. I was like, I'm going to India. I think he thought that I was just gonna take a bike and get off the plane and start pedaling. Wasn't quite as unorganized as that, but it was 360 kilometers around India. And I'm not a cyclist. You know, I'm not a, a Lycra girl. I don't understand all that. I only just learned how to change gears last year. I spent all my time in my bike in one gear. I didn't know what the one and the three was for. I just kept changing that, honestly. Not only that, as I didn't really understand the kit either. So all my friends said to me is, you need the padding. Ladies, you need the padding, okay, in these shorts. So I bought some and I actually cycled all around in these shorts last year that my friend said, they're a bit see-through. And I thought, don't worry about it, they're comfortable. And then when I ordered some extra ones, when I ordered some extra ones to go to India, because you bag it all up, they came and they were really see-through. And I went back onto Amazon and looked and it turned out they were pants. They were underwear. So you're meant to wear them and then wear the shorts on the top. I've been cycling around the Cotswolds for hundreds of miles in my pants because I don't understand how to do this. So I'm not telling you that to um, make you feel sorry. I just show you I'm a proper amateur when it comes to this. Um, so when I looked at the itinerary, 360 kilometers, we're gone for 10 days. That's, that's nothing, is it? 36 a day? Easy. Yeah, you only cycle for five. The rest of the time you have a parent cycle. So the first ride is 74 kilometers. I don't know what that is in English. Um, and then the second one was 98, which was 70 miles. That was the second day. I was terrified, absolutely terrified. But I thought if I trained for it, I'd boxer. And she said, 
that she gets up for her hill runs every morning because if she didn't train and prepare for her boxing matches, she's going to get punched in the face when she goes in the ring. And I thought, I'm not going to get punched in the face when I get to India. I have to practice. So every Sunday morning last year, we were out five o'clock in the morning because it's hot. I know the UK doesn't really get hot, but it was for us. Um, and we're pedaling around the streets. And then I stopped for a cider and, and a little rest on the way home. And then my son usually takes the bike after that. Only one. But it's first work. So we get to come into India. In between that and India happening, I met a spiritual lady who I was having the time of my life last year, because I'm telling you, I'm the you know, I'm the coach that's successful. I was gone to Jamaica, I went to Ibiza on a on a yacht with the networking. I uh, I was doing the the 10K coach, then I wanted to be a 15K coach. Then I was I was in that coaching mode where nothing's ever enough. No matter, as an entrepreneur, nothing was ever enough. I had to have the luxury meals. I had to have all the expensive stuff. And this lady said to me, you're a fake. You're not living your true purpose. You're not living your true life. And I was like, well, whatever, I don't care. I'm, I'm happy doing what I'm doing. I'm having this great life. Then I went off to Ibiza and then I come back and she says, you're definitely not. You're definitely, you need to stop and do nothing. Can you imagine being told to do nothing? I asked her for a list. I said to her, what does nothing look like? Tell me what I've got to do to do nothing. But I did. And so I took, that's how I did my bike ride, was that at the time that she told me to do nothing, I pedaled. I couldn't quite do nothing. I learned to meditate for 10 minutes. No more. I can't do any more than that. I learned to meditate. And I started to look at the 12 years where I had pushed so hard to not be a victim, to not let anybody think of me as lesser than I was before, to not think that I haven't achieved anything and I wanted people to just not see the leg and not see me. And I realized actually I was horrible to myself. I was actually quite mean to myself. I would be nicer to other people than I was to me. I thought that my husband was an ass and it turned out that I was the ass. Um, <laughs> it was, I was gonna divorce him. And then I realized actually it was me that was terrible. So I took the summer to cycle and to slow down and to learn to meditate and learn to breathe and things that you think you know how to do, you know, breathing. I've been doing that for a long time um, and start to reflect and then come to India and you've never seen a more scared person on a plane than me. You know, the, I, when I got there, there was 10 people and they'd all done it before. I was the only amateur there. Even the person who didn't even know how to put proper shorts on or change gears, mm -hmm. sitting there on this bike. And the first time I cycled the bike, I went around the corner so no one could see me getting on this bike because I thought I'm going to be wobbly. And they've got proper kit on, you know. One had a spreadsheet for stuff every day and had a, an outfit for the day. And I'm still got my see-through shorts, but with leggings on top. And as I went round, the bikes were new. I went to save myself the embarrassment and the handlebars turned, but nothing else turned because they'd not put it together properly. And I was like, okay. Then we went out onto the road and the handlebars turned. And I tell you, going out onto the road in India is... Um, I can, you can cycle through New York easier, you know. <laughs> I went out and there's, there's a cow on the road, there's a truck, there's a tractor that's got music, there's a moped coming towards you and there's five people on the moped and a bag of washing. Um, and so that was interesting, but we, we didn't do all the main roads. So every day I, in true NLP style, I thought, okay, I'm just going to do this one day at a time. I'm just going to go, if I can cycle today, I knew I could do the distance. So I'd done the distance, I didn't know I could cycle for five days. So I'm like, if I can do today, then I'll worry about today. And then the next day when I knew it was, it was 100K and I was like, and there were some hills and there were some tricks, you know, there were some utter tricks in there where they make a cycle over sand or roads that weren't roads. 
they literally weren't roads. I took a boiled egg on one time from the lunch in the morning and we went over this road that was so rocky. I think it's on this picture. Um, so rocky. It was peeled by the time I got there to lunchtime. I got out. The shower was out. It was out of the shower. Um, and so then I just, in NLP style, just chunked it down. I chunked it down into each session and I made it. I got to the end of it and I made the 360 kilometers. And I was like, yes. So whilst I was cycling, we did a little bit of manifesting. We got some chips. And um, I really, really was just like, what is my purpose? What am I actually here for? Am I here really to just help business owners to understand their businesses better, to make more money, to keep them in that chaos that I'd been working in? Or am I here to release them from the chaos? And I thought, do you know what? The one thing I know is that I am cat lucky. I'm going to tell you what cat lucky is. We fall off the wall, but somehow land on our feet. So I am cat lucky. And I realize that my purpose is to go and find other people who've had a trauma like me or have not been cat lucky or not realize that they're cat lucky and help those people to get back up on their feet, get back on with their life and achieve whatever the big life dream that they've got. I want a big life. You guys all want a big life. I'm not prepared to settle for anything less and I don't think that anybody else should. Thank you. Podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.